Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media, and the beautiful, wonderful, and just general do-gooder, absolute gorgeous human being, Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland and Barrett. Why are we called SEO SAS? Well, SAS stands for Your Special Answering Service because we love the subject of SEO and we love getting answers to you. So each week we will debate interesting topics, find out what's trending, we'll get into debates, we'll answer questions from the community and deliver it to you in a fun and accessible way. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one. We're actually using their podcast game equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Ah, Thanks, Hannah. You may notice that on this week's episode, there is a missing voice. Yes, unfortunately, Hannah can't join this week, but do not fret, my friends, because I have lined up an amazing, oh, two amazing guests for you. We have today on the show, Rob and Kennedy from the Email Marketing Show and founders of Response Suite, which is a survey platform which makes you sales, to talk to you about how you can amplify your SEO with email. Good afternoon, gents. Hello. Hello. I feel like we've been shortchanged because Hannah got a much better introduction than you did. <laughs> so I think we want to come back next gorgeous week. We're going to come back next week because she's gorgeous and fabulous and do-gooder. Oh, I'm, I do apologize. I mean, I could try on the fly of thinking about something better to introduce, but it's just me and Hannah because we introduce each other each week. <laughs> we just felt like we had to up our game each time. So they just get ridiculous. Kennedy, you introduce Rob with three adjectives and then vice versa. Oh, God. All right. Okay. He is sitting down, <laughs> has red hair, and can eat anything in the loudest way you've ever heard. It's hypnotist Robert Temple. Yeah. yeah. And three words. He is on my screen. <laughs> There we go. I got away with it. Uh, Kennedy is uh, blonde and wears a waist, waistcoat wearing mind reader. It's Kennedy. Hey. I do go. have to say, I am a bit disappointed that there is no waistcoat today, Kennedy. Yeah, well, it's very warm. I mean, it's, it's the one warm day of the year in Newcastle. I feel like it wasn't happening. I feel like next we need to have a, a big game of I went to the shop and I bought. <laughs> and that's just going to complete that's just going to complete this episode well thank you very much for joining us today and uh note i will work on introductions for future guests so i will take that away but how are you both doing how really good you? yes good. really good yeah yeah it's really good Good, good to hear. How are you dealing? I mean, we try and not say the C word too much and not the sweary word, the, the other, you know, corona. Um, but how is this current situation treating you? Are you, are you okay? The hair's, the hair's battling a bit. If anyone knows what we look like, you'll know what we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Rob's, um, I'm, I'm now at 50-50. You know, I've got like 50% <laughs> 
platinum, 50% not platinum. And Rob looks fairly similar, actually. He's On the got- plus side, you're getting more and more intelligent by the day. So, Oh, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Yeah, Rob, you're red, you're red hair, obviously. And then you're... But it's getting very bushy on the, on the edges. Very bushy. Has uh, neither of your partners offered to, like, chop the hair yet? Oh, or? Rachel jumped on the opportunity to shave my head. <laughs> Were you not having it? Have you I ever, said no. Have you ever shaved your head? No, I put it out to a vote on Instagram, and slightly more people said I should do it than shouldn't do it. See, so those people are psychopaths. I shaved my, my legs once. Oh, did you? I'll never do that again. Yeah, it was a charity thing I was doing. I ended up in hospital in drag because of that whole scenario. I mean, do we just dedicate the whole episode to asking more <laughs> questions about that? One thing I will say is I upped the shaving game and I got epilated at the weekend. If you guys know what epilating is. I've heard of it. It's like it's a lovely word. things that grab and pull, isn't it? Yes. So basically it's a torture device that um it's not a torture device but uh yeah it's a i don't know how to explain it but it's basically like something plucking over and over and over and over and over again and it's just you get softer smoother and your legs stay soft for four weeks but oh my i nearly punched my other half i know how chickens feel (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a podcast plucker Right, I think we need to get into the into the podcast, don't we? No, if we keep going, uh, everyone will stop listening. <laughs> like I said on your guys' introduction, you are here today to talk about all the wonderful things that you can do with email and how it can support and amplify your SEO efforts. So I'm quite excited to get into all the juicy bits there. But before we do, I want our listeners to get to know you two. So could you give us like a brief overview of yourself? what you're doing, how you got into what you're doing and all that lovely jazz. Yeah. So we come from an unusual background and quite unlikely entrepreneurs, I suppose. Uh, I never grew up as a kid thinking, oh, I want to have a business or I want to be entrepreneurial or any of that stuff. Um, We actually came from a world of entertainment. So we're both very weird, dorky, lonely kids. And uh, we got into entertainment uh, because we thought that would make us more cool. So uh, just a little bit different. I fell into the world of magic as a kid. I wanted to be a magician growing up. Eventually that led me to Because magicians are cool, aren't they? Well, uh, <laughs> and so over time I decided that I was going to, I actually fell into I, I wonder if Tom Cruise wakes up and then go, I wish I'd been a bloody magician. <laughs> so I figured if I could learn magic tricks, that would be something to do. So I learned magic tricks and it stopped me getting bullied. That's what I can say. And then... <laughs> When I was about 14, I fell in love with the idea of being a stage hypnotist. That was a cool thing for me. So I decided to do that and pursued it. And that was what I did. That's what I do. It's one of the things I do for a living. So for about three months of every year, I'm on tour traveling around performing hypnosis shows. Kennedy, however, is a mind reader. Yeah. So I combine psychology, body language, reading people's statistics, understanding human behavior to make it look a lot like I read people's minds. I mainly do that at sort of conferences, corporate events, awards, dinners, and stuff like that. So I've been doing that for 18 years now. But the thing is, the problem with being an entertainer, so Rob goes on stage, if he's doing a function, an event, he might be on stage for 90 minutes to two hours. My performances, conferences and awards dinners are 35, 45, maybe 60 minutes long. Slacker. (laughs) But you spend hours traveling to that event. So when you fly to the Seychelles or you fly to Las Vegas or you go to 
Middlesbrough, you you end up spending lots more time traveling than you do actually doing a show. And that has meant that we ended up sitting, like doing a lot of sitting, twiddling our thumbs, thinking what else can we do? One of the things a lot of people don't realize is being an entertainer actually is a business and you have to create demand. You have to market yourself. You have to outsell your competition. Like you don't just get gigs thrown at you. So through all of that, we ended up being quite good at marketing ourselves to do the thing that we wanted to do more often because the only way to become a better entertainer actually is to do it more often. And then we also ended up getting asked by others, how are you so busy? How have you done that? And we both independently, we didn't know this about one another, started coaching and started online businesses where we taught people to do the things that we do. So we ended up with online businesses and then it sort of went from there really. That is very, very interesting. And I wish I could just talk to you about your professions and how that sort of, yeah, how you got that onto an online business sort of thing. I can say that I have seen you both in action because obviously you came to Marketed Live, the conference mm-hmm. in Nottingham, and so many people walked away thinking, how the fudge did they do what they did? So it is amazing. And yes, I would love to pick your brains, but I'm guessing you, you're magicians and you're entertainers, so you, you don't give away your secrets, do you? <laughs> no, tricks of the trade. Before we move on then into how email can help with SEO, I thought it'd be quite fun if each of you could give us a interesting, fun fact about yourself interesting fun fact about ourselves well it can be interesting or fun or both wow okay so i'll go i'll go for my mark kennedy's thinking when i was a kid apart from wanting to be a magician when teacher asks the children what do you want to do when you're grown up and all the other lads want to be football i mean it'd be sexist now all the other lads want to be footballers and all the girls want to be princesses because that's how it was back in 19 early 1990s i wanted to be the person i didn't know what this was called but i wanted to be the person who looks after the penguins at a zoo and recently at the age of 32 i was at edinburgh zoo and the penguin parade comes around where they get all the penguins out of the keep and they come around and they all waddle past and i cried because i got so emotional Oh, so I'm guessing penguin is your ultimate favourite animal. Big, big fan of penguins, yeah. Mine is I don't have and I have no intention of ever getting a driver's licence. I literally, people say, hang on, but you travel a lot. I do travel a lot. And, well, I used to. I remember those days. Remember those days when you could leave the house? Anyway, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't have a driver's license. I've got no intention of ever getting one. Don't need one. I don't understand why anybody has one. Really confuses me why you would sit in a weapon that's designed to kill you. Have you had some pretty hairy drives in your past? Is that... Only with, only with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. There was, there was a time when I was travelling back late at night. I'm going to show off for a second. We'd been filming a TV show. We would, and we had to go down there to London to um, ITV Southbank Studios and back again in the same day. So they wouldn't, for some reason, I can't remember why it was. And my friend was driving and um, I remember falling asleep and um, waking up to the sound of him swearing as we almost hit the central reservation because it was like three o'clock in the morning by the time we got finished with all the filming stuff. But uh, apart from that, like, no, like I just, I just look at what people are doing on the road. I'm a passenger and I'm like, why would you want to put yourself through this? Like everybody else is an idiot. You bring up some very valid points, really. And yeah, I've got nothing to say back. But I, I think this is possibly the most valuable SEO discussion we could possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long have we been talking for? Like, awesome. Well, I'm going to take that cue, Rob, and uh, 
steer the conversation into what this podcast is about. You can be Hannah today because the relationship between me and Hannah on the podcast is she keeps everything in order and en route, whereas I'm the one that goes off on tangents and stuff. So this could be a very interesting all over the shop podcast, but you right. can be there, the master the sale making so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Hannah and I'm gonna be me yes there you go so you just got to make sure that this podcast episode stays on course are you up for that so if you want to get the show notes for this episode (laughs) uh just make sure you go (laughs) so you guys are founders of response suite which is obviously what we said in the introduction a survey platform so what I first want to talk about is so a big thing in SEO is generating backlinks so getting external websites to link to your website so there's lots of different ways that you can do that but one way that you can do it is by conducting your own original research around your industry and a a subject and putting together a survey that you want to push out and get people to get involved with because then you can then take all the results publish it into a beautiful report and send it far and wide to get people to link to you happy days so let's talk about how to go about doing surveys and how to get the best success from them so first question and i'll just leave it to you guys to decide who wants to answer what uh, no fights please but first question is what are the big no-nos when it comes to building a survey? Right. So the big thing, there's two big things that we see happen a lot with people's surveys when they might ask us, how can I get more people to complete my survey or how can I make my surveys more useful? The first one is we've got to remember that if no one completes your survey, then having a survey is useless. So just having a survey is useless unless somebody completes it. So we, need, we all need to be doing everything we possibly can using every trick in the psychological book to get people to complete our surveys. So the big thing that loads of people do is they put loads of unnecessary questions in their surveys. If it's not of direct interest to the person who is filling it out and it's not extremely relevant to them, then they're going to very quickly disengage. Right. So an example of a really terrible survey I got fairly recently was from my bank. And the first one of the questions, one of the first questions up there was, was what did you think? Have you ever done such and such a thing? Yes or no? I think it was like, do you do any business with any of these countries? There was a list of different countries which are seen as high risk for um, money laundering or something like that. Like that, okay? So I said, no, because we don't do any business with those countries. And then the next question said, if you said yes to the question above, I'm like, well, I didn't say yes to the question above. You're now asking me a totally unnecessary question. And you know what my answer was to that previous question because I clicked it on your survey. So we should use things like conditional skip logic to make sure that we are routing people through our surveys to keep every single question irrelevant. And another thing that people do that messes this up is they ask questions which are not required. If you've got a survey, you're thinking, I don't really mind if they answer that one or they don't answer that one then you probably don't need the information. So it's just making it look like there's more questions. So take those unrequired questions out. Because what I'm thinking is if you're putting together a research-based survey, so where you're asking lots of questions, sometimes there might, depending on how you've answered a question, sometimes you might want to skip 
or it's not relevant for you to answer the next section. So I'm guessing a lot of surveys still do that. Yeah, it's the that. equivalent of the old the old passport forms, and I don't know if they still do, but like the printed paper passport forms would say, if this, then skip to section hmm. 7 which obviously you can't do on paper. You can't do anything better than that on paper. But yeah, a lot of a lot of surveys still have that going on effectively, even though they're digital and therefore could skip straight to where you want them to be next. I'm guessing also when it does come to surveys as well, the more questions and the longer it is, is the rule of thumb that the longer a survey is, the less chance someone is going to complete. Is that is that fair to say? Or Yeah, I mean, we found that there is an, a massive drop-off of people completing surveys once you get past about six questions if you get to four or five questions that's all right the minute you get to six the completion falls off a cliff so that's the first thing see then it's about getting the balance then because i suppose if you're wanting to conduct some good in-depth research that you're going to put a report together how do you sort of counteract that because obviously you want to get into and ask lots of questions but then you want people to answer so i mean is that how? <laughs> how do you do that? What you can do, of course, is if you have a bunch of questions that are triggered by other questions. So, for example, if you had a, if you had a basic survey that at its core is only four questions, but there are subsections to those questions, what you can do is have it so that when it loads, it's actually quite a short survey and there's not a great deal to do. You could have it so that if somebody answers a particular question, new questions that are specifically relevant to that thing appear. So it, there's, a, there's a principle of influence in Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, which is uh, commitment and consistency. The minute somebody starts to take an action, their brain wants to continue along that same sort of path. So the minute they start to fill out a survey, uh, it's one of the reasons why a few years ago, websites started getting two-step forms appearing on them. So rather than having a form with a button at the bottom, just be a button. You click the button and the form would appear. The idea is that at that point, somebody's made the commitment that they're going to click the button and and do the action. So when the form appears, it's not a ton of extra work. And so one of the things you can do is to get somebody into that mindset of, well, I'm starting to fill this out now. They start to get the pleasure of seeing a progress bar progressing along, which means that as more questions start to appear, those questions don't smack them in the face and go, well, here's some more questions you weren't expecting. Those questions come from a place of, well, actually, that's really interesting because you've said that I now want to know about this. So it doesn't come out of the blue quite as much. So that's one way of counteracting that a little bit. But you do definitely, definitely, definitely want to strip it down to what are the questions I absolutely need to know the answer to? to Mm. help me with this research and let's skip everything else the other thing you can do if you're willing to go a little bit a lot of the time people are reluctant to use closed questions so a closed question being here's five radio buttons or five check boxes tick all that apply most of the time we want to give people most people try to give people open-ended questions problem is when you give people open-ended questions that's suddenly a lot of work because suddenly people start thinking about their grammar they start thinking about their spelling they start thinking about well how much am i supposed to put in here am i supposed to put nine paragraphs one paragraph what am i supposed to write where do i start how's this essay going to come about it was so many questions that they have to answer in their own head before they can start typing it's also very difficult to it's much more difficult to analyze that data as well because there's still not a brilliant a truly brilliant way of analyzing open questions that doesn't involve somebody sifting through and trying to understand really what's going on which makes it very difficult the other real real difficulty is if you are doing a piece of research it usually means you've got an outcome that you're looking to get from that research whether that's you're going to put it as a blog post or you're going to sell somebody something or you're going to position a product if you have a lot of open-ended questions are really poorly written, which means if one of the ones we see a lot is, what is your biggest challenge right now? Big box for you to type into. So if I came to yourself, Sarah, and said, with the SEO 
um, work that you do. And you said to me, what's your biggest challenge in your business right now? And I said, hmm, my biggest challenge right now is, I don't know, cash flow. Let's just say it's that because that's a common small business problem. Cash flow. Well, you're going to read that and go, that's great, but I can't do anything about that. So yes, you should. So that's the other big thing is to think about, yes, you're doing some research, but what other purpose could this survey actually give you? Could Hmm. you also be simultaneously using that bit of research to qualify some people? Because if they fall into a whole bunch of categories because of the things they've checked, that might say to you, do you know what it is? This person whose email I've collected because- In a GDPR friendly manner. Indeed. Please opt in. Would you like the report from this and so we can contact you afterwards? Yes. Okay. So that's what your last question should be. If you'd like the report that we generate off the back of this research we're doing and we can, and you're happy for us to contact you later, use your GDPR hmm. compliance stuff there, give us your email address, but you've also identified some things, some characteristics of that person, which lets you know, actually this person's a really good prospect for us. Yeah. I suppose it's sort of making the most out of whatever task or marketing or research that you're doing and getting the most out of it because obviously it's going to take you time to put together this survey email for research it's going to take you time to analyze and stuff. so you yeah 100% make the most of it and use it as well as a, a way of qualifying and getting leads to, to a list how important is personalization with surveys so I think the most natural route through this is to make sure that somebody feels like that, that there's a reason why they're filling out this survey. One of the things that we really hit is when we get contacted cold about something and then as we're working through it, the, the survey becomes less and less interesting or relevant to us. Mm. You've got to realize that even though you're conducting the research and the research is going to benefit you and the research is going to benefit, the, I suppose, the wider industry as well, but it, it's definitely going to benefit you. It's going to give you this research that you're going to be able to publish under your name and your brand that's going to be spread around the internet, that's going to get you back things back to you at the end of the day nobody else cares about that nobody gives two hoots about that uh, or one hoot even um, so what you need to do is you need to make sure that there's something in that that is of benefit to them as well and so that's just a case of of, of actually just wording the questions it doesn't particular or, or, and wording the framing of why they're being asked to fill in the survey in the first place so for the for example If you were to say that you were conducting a survey to find out how businesses are successfully using SEO in their business for example. That's beneficial to the person filling out the survey because it's actually useful to find out if the stuff that's working for them is the most effective stuff industry-wide or are they missing out on a whole bunch, a whole heap of stuff they could be doing. So I think the most important thing about personalization is to make sure that everything remains beneficial to them as a person. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Thinking about other things to think about, thinking about other things to think about, that's a ridiculous sentence in itself, but you know what I mean. So when you're conducting research and you're wanting to put together this comprehensive report that you're going to send out to folks, I'm guessing a bit of a challenge is to avoid bias. So I'm guessing sometimes how you ask a question is quite biased in itself and will get a biased answer. I can't think of so bias definitely exists and it, under different circumstances, we use it to our advantage massively. Uh, so for example, if you are genuinely conducting research, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Like for example, make sure that every time somebody loads the survey, if you've got six radio buttons, so which of the or checkboxes, so which of these SEO things do you, uh, are you most interested in learning about? You'd have a bunch of checkboxes or radio buttons. You would want to make sure that they were randomly displayed in a different order based on 
for each individual visitor because otherwise things like the third one is the one that most people could, I'm making it up, but for different services, it's going to vary. There'll be a certain amount of natural stuff where the line length, the position within the, within mm. the radio buttons, the position within the page naturally draws people's eyes and they're sort of subconsciously drawn to click it. So you do want to make sure that if you want to avoid bias in any description, that that's worded as, uh, sorry, that's as random as possible. However, in some circumstances where you are using the survey as well as collecting research to steer people in a certain direction, you can use your own wording to influence them in, in a good way to the way you want them to be. So for example, if we said, why have you never engaged the services of an SEO agency before? We wouldn't, yeah. word, we wouldn't word the option as I can't afford it. We would word the option as I feel like I can't afford it. Because that right. takes it away in their head when they tick that box. That takes it away from being a known fact that I just can't afford it to being, well, in the past, I felt like I can't afford it. Yeah, so it's more open then. And yeah, more- so, and then you can so- add an extra addendum to that, which is you can say, I feel like I can't afford it right now, which means you're now opening up to the time as well. So you're opening up on both ends of it, uh, which is really helpful too. So we can use wording to, you, you want, if you are just collecting research, you do want to make sure your wording is as clear and as um, impartial as possible. Uh, however, if we're looking to get a dual purpose out of the surveys and make sure that also we are potentially qualifying people and pushing them in the direction of potentially becoming a client or a customer, uh, there's some useful stuff in there as well. The last few questions on surveys and then we'll move on to another area. Do you guys love or hate progress bars? Progress bars are really useful if they're done correctly. And what we mean by that is when, the, when a survey first loads and you've got a progress bar and maybe you've got eight page survey, if you are currently on 0%, that is discouraging. Now, because, because Response Suite was built purposely for marketing and to, and to make sales for people, and so our entire focus is about increasing completion rate so you can do something with that, our progress bars do not start on 0%. They start as if you've completed the first page already to compel you forward for that same reason that that Rob already mentioned, is that if somebody feels like they've already committed and they're already in motion, the thing is, something that is in motion is much more attractive than something that is standing still. It's uh, There's a thing that magicians talk about, which is the eye is drawn to something which is moving. So if they want to bring in an elephant over here, they're going to move their hand over in the other, in the other direction, for example, or whatever. There's, there's a great optical, there's a great thing on the internet, if you go and search for it, where you, you'll see a bunch of people like throwing a ball around. You've got to count how many times they throw and catch the ball. And what you don't see is a gorilla walks past in the background or something I've like seen, that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. have seen So that. it's that exact thing. So we want people to feel like they're in motion. So there's a few things you can do with that. And one of them is to make sure your progress bars have a feature which it looks like they're in motion rather than if you're partway through a marathon or some kind of sporting event, you are much more likely to complete it. It's much easier for you to keep going than it is for you to take those first steps. If you're going to put a new SEO campaign together, it's a bigger, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger challenge than keeping going with a thing. Getting going is the hardest bit. Getting the car, if you've ever broken down, you want to push your car. Once you get it going, you can actually keep it going. Well, you'll never have that problem, will you, Kennedy? Never. You don't drive. Yeah. Bam, you see. There's some there's some other little things that help with that as well. Like for example, if you can send somebody to a survey and you can pre-populate some of the data for them. So if it asks for their name and their email address in the survey, if you have that already because you're sending it to them by email, you can merge that information in. So when they click on the link, the name and email address is already filled in and they're 25% through their 100% of their survey. Again, that really starts them in motion. 
Playing, that's a really good tip, but just playing a bit of devil's advocate, would anyone be a bit put off like, oh, they already know stuff about me. How are they? You know, people that are a bit paranoid. Or do you think it that's could, not it really? Could do, but the thing is, if you've already re- if they're receiving an email from you with the survey in, they probably they know yeah. you know that information, you know. And it also it helps sort of make it more feel more personal too. So they're like, oh, like they've already gone the trouble of filling in some of this survey for me, so it's already partly completed. In fact, there might be a thing in the back of the head thinking, I wonder if there's any any of the other questions already filled in for me as well. You don't know. Okay, last question then, and then we'll move this conversation on. I feel like Rob, you should be steering this. Bring <laughs> <laughs> get a little bell and just ring it every time. So after someone has completed a survey, is there any sort of missed opportunities that people don't think about? Because I'm guessing most of the time people just have like a a completion message that pops up or underneath where they've clicked submitted and they don't really think about, okay, what's the next journey? What's the next step? So is there any like quick wins here or things that you think people are missing an opportunity for? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that we were really excited about for us at Response Week, but also just in general, if you if you can do this, which is when someone hits submit, they are in an active mode. They're not passively scrolling through a web page or a blog or anything like that. They're not passively listening to a podcast where you might be doing something else at the same time. They are fully engaged, fully active, considering things and taking action, which is the most active state we can be in. And so what we can do at that point, they hit submit, is we can take them to an offer and that offer does not does not need to be a paid offer it could be a piece of content or a Mm. podcast whatever something that's most relevant to them so what we decided to do with response week is is when when somebody hits submit you can decide which web page anywhere on the internet you want to take them to depending on the choices that they've made in the survey or if you have some kind of scoring activated based on their score so for example let's make it really simple if if i'm coming to you and i'm saying hey you've got a question a questionnaire or a survey which says where are you with your seo are you um, just getting started don't really know what you're doing you've done some but you've never really been satisfied or we've got a great agency who are doing it right now but we're looking to grow beyond that so we're sort of bronze silver gold sort of level things if i hit if i select i'm just getting started i don't really don't don't even know what i don't know when i hit submit you could take me to a piece of content or an offer for a call or something which educates me on that helps me at my position so i can then engage that relationship with you whereas maybe rob's a really fantastic experienced seo personage and he might say, I'm really experienced, he hits submit, and then you talk about how on that next page, maybe there's a nice video of you that says, look, we understand agencies are really good. You obviously understand that already. Here's what we do a bit differently. So the message there is going to be Mm -hmm. quite different. That's really smart because that's really sort of understanding your audience and really tailor because that feels really quite personal to that person which everyone loves don't they and i think yeah, I mean, it- and you can take that personalization on the next level because the reason that response week even exists is because we want to do all these clever personalization things with existing platforms that are on the market and it turns out you can't because they're not built for that they're built just for doing the research and pulling a piece of research together not customizing the messaging for that individual so the other thing that it does is when they hit, when you hit submit on that survey, yeah, you can take them to a different thank you page and different page straight away. But also, you can tag them differently in your email mm. marketing automation platform based on everything they've said. So now you can send every email that's really relevant to them and their situation, their preferences, what they like, what they don't like, their stage. Think about it on a research basis. Depending on, because say you're doing like a really in depth thorough 
industry-wide bit of research that you want to do taking on what you said about the tool so response we sort of given an option depending on what the person has answered in the survey I suppose you could do that when you're reporting back the research so you could find out what that person is particularly interested in um, so say say for example you've got a generic marketing report that covers all different areas but I'm more passionate about SEO so if I click that when I get my research and uh, when I get the report back, it's sort of tailored more towards the SEO side. You could even have like a little line at the top of the email that gives you the report that says, you know, hey, Sarah, here's the report from that research you participated in. By the way, page six is where the SEO bit yeah. is at. You want to turn straight to that. It's a little thing. Does it rock the, wor- rock the world? No. But for that person, it's like, oh, they really thought about me. And I can get straight to the bit of information I want to get. And it's about tightening that relationship. And that's what all marketing is. It's, yeah, marketing. And it's the same with SEO. It's all about marginal gains. How can you be better than you, your competitors? Or how can you be better than the, the content that's already out there? And like you said, it's not a groundbreaker, but it's that little added bonus that's a marginal gain. Do you know what I mean? Marginal gains, Definitely. I think people sort of think ah, oh, it's a nice to have but do we really need, it's not that groundbreaking but it's like no do because it's all these marginal gains and these added touches that helps with the relationship and yeah moving on then let's talk about shifting from surveys then and more talking about emails then thinking about how you can use email to support other seo areas a big thing is reviews and getting um sort of proof of how good you are and what people are saying is there anything that email can do to support google reviews or reviews in general i mean actually it's funny it links to email but also links to surveys so here's just a really simple campaign you could play with we've got a number of customers doing this in the legal sector in particular but in other sectors too and that is literally when you've completed a piece of work for somebody whatever the heck you offer send them a, su- a survey which has a first question which is what did you think of the work we did and it's a rating scale from like a zero to ten and if they say nine or above which means you know they think you're pretty awesome the next question that can pop up using that skip logic is gonna be could you give us a testimonial we'd love that of course if they if you're if they're a bit grumpy or you you cock things up because you had a bit of a bad day we all have you know we all drop the ball sometimes then you ask for some feedback instead so what you then do is you link your survey so in our case we link response suite to our email marketing platform and we push that response to what they write as their testimonial into a custom field in our email marketing platform. So let's say you're using, let's just pick one, active campaigns, one of the many that we integrate with. So you've now got a custom field in your active campaign, which is that person's testimonial. Inside of active campaign, you've now got an automation set up. So if you just imagine now we've got that testimonial in there, we've got now an automation that says, wait one day from when you receive that testimonial. And then the next day, send an automated email that says, Sarah, just read your testimonial. Thank you so much. That's so cool of you. Could I ask you a favor? I've been really bad. This is the wording of mine that I use for my gigs, actually. So mine says, I've been really bad at getting people to post my Google My Business Reviews page, post to my Google My Business Reviews page. I was wondering if you could take the testimonial that you gave me the other day and post it over on my Google Reviews page. I've pasted your testimonial below so then you just put the merge tag in to paste in their own testimonial and then you give them the link to the google my business 
reviews page. So now what you've got is an automated way of you're protecting your reputation because if they said eight or below, you are not going to ask them for an automated testimonial. And if they are raving fans of yours because they said nine or 10, you're now doing this automated thing of collecting testimonials that you can use throughout your work and then stimulating these Google My Business. And one of the things I learned from you, I'm sure it was from listening to this show or one of our chats at some point, maybe maybe both, is if someone's searching online for best SEO agency in Loughborough, then it's going to, Google's going to look at the people who've got lots of reviews and got lots of positive reviews. And so as we know, the impact of, of those Google business reviews is quite high. And that's just a nice, really simple linear campaign that just runs all the time in the background of my business. And it works beautifully. Yes. And I, lo- I love that idea because that is automating something that's really, so getting Google reviews is really important because obviously, like you said, what Google will do is if you search for anything with best in front of, what it will do is it will filter out and it'll only show accounts that have got four stars or more. So doing that bit of sort of qualifying before, so checking that it's above eight, then you know that, okay, they're going to give us a, a decent one here. But because I could just imagine that businesses have reviews in lots of different places on the internet. So if there's a way to sort of join that up and get it onto your Google reviews because obviously that's gonna be helping with your local SEO and that's a no-brainer isn't it mm, yeah, yeah and of course if Google's not your bag and you're doing Facebook instead you could link it to your Facebook page and do the reviews there so it's just whatever but you should do Google. come on really I mean I think so <laughs> Okay, so another thing where email can support SEO is outreach. So going back to our earlier discussion about survey, so you've got this research, you've put all your efforts and you've made it look beautiful and it's really in depth and it's really valuable. We then want to outreach to people, don't we? And we want to let people know in the hope to get them to publish it on their website with a link back to us. It'd be good to sort of pick your guys' brains when it for some outreach email tips because I'm guessing there's some big no-nos when it comes to outreach and there's some hacks or nice quick wins and also a bit about sort of relationship as well because especially with the sort of authoritative websites that you really want to get a link from you need a bit of wooing and you need a bit of relationship so I think if we have a, a quick discussion around this and mm. who wants to who wants to take the battle I'll do the outreach bit because I think I know what I'm going to say for that <laughs> and I think Rob can take the other one uh, so yeah. <laughs> you got thrown underneath the bus there yeah yeah no, no, I'm just going to go and read some books I'll be back in a minute <laughs> The thing with outreach, I think a lot of people get wrong, and this is whether you're out, you're reaching out by email, you're reaching out through social channels, whatever. Everybody thinks about that subject line of the email. They think they're obsessed over what's the best subject line for outreach, and we see this a lot. We hear it in our programs. Our members ask us this all the time, and on our you know groups and on Twitter and stuff. People are always talking about what's the best subject line, and the thing is, the subject line's quite important. Yeah, it is important. But there are two other really important pieces of information that affect your ability to do successful any kind of email marketing, whether it's outreach email marketing or nurturing email marketing or sales email marketing, whatever, customer experience email marketing, whatever. And if you get these two wrong, it doesn't matter how good that subject line was, you will have zero impact. 
And the two pieces I'm talking about, one of them I think some people do think about, the other one I literally don't know anybody who talks about and thinks about. The first is the from name. The person who is sending the email. A lot of people make the mistake of having an, uh, the email coming from the SAS, the SAS SEO. That's really hard to say. SEO podcast. You must rehearse all night long. SAS the podcast, right? SAS SEO podcast. SEO SAS. That was the from name, right? And that's not a person. We don't, we, we only want to hear, we open emails from people. So instead of it being from an SEO SAS podcast, we want to have it come from Sarah. So our emails, for example, might come from Rob slash email marketing heroes, or might come from Kennedy slash response suite. So they okay. can see it's from a person. So if you're using your brand name as the from name in any of your emails, any of them at all, your newsletter, literally anything, replace it with the person's name. Honestly, you will immediately see a bump in the number of people who open your emails. That's the first one. The second thing is the first words in the email. When you send an email to somebody or you send an inbox message on LinkedIn or on Instagram, um, yeah, Instagram, anything like that, Twitter, that pops up and we see the from name. So we want to know it's a person, but we also see the first line in that email. And if it's like, hey, Sarah, hope this email finds you well. Well, guess what? I don't have a compelling, excited reason to open that email or open that message right now to check out what the hell you're talking about because you're probably a person I don't know or a person I've never heard of, heard from before or a person whose newsletter or email list I'm, I'm subscribed to. So I don't have a compelling reason to read it now, which means I may never read it. Yes. Whereas if that very first line is something that is, I mean, when I say the first line, I'm talking about the first four or five words. If they are something that is so compelling that I absolutely have to smash that thing open right now and read it to find out what's going on, then you can go into being polite or being personality-full or whatever. But you've got to get their attention and make them realize you have to open this. You have to open it right now. You want it. The way I think of it is if a person's in a conversation and they're just casually like looking at the time on their phone just as they're having a chat with you and the preview of your email or your message comes up, you want them to go, sorry, I've got to just read this. It has to be conversation interruptingly good. If okay. you think about, you know, when you get cold calls from somebody on the phone and yes. there's an awful tactic and I don't know who's teaching it, but you get a cold call and you answer it and it's a number you don't know and you say, hello. And they say, hello, is that Rob? And you say, yes. Or you, is that Sarah? And you say, yes. And so, oh, hi, this is Clive calling from ABCDE Utilities uh, Limited. How are you doing today? There's an awful moment where you go, I'm fine. How are you? And we, because we're British, we can't help but go. How are you? And you're like in this weird conversation where you ask. Rather than I'm fine. Who are you? <laughs> Why are you? It's just Why? Like, Why are you? It's just a peculiar thing, and people do it by email as well. So you want to avoid that. And I suppose as well that I hope you are well. You sort of know that they don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, do you know what I mean? No one really cares. I mean, wait, if I ask you how you are, like I do mean it, but like in a cold, especially if you haven't got a relationship with someone. I'm so pleased you asked. I'm having a yes. terrible day. <laughs> tell you about it. Me dog died. Oh, I just want to sell you some electricity. Next time you'll get a cold email and that happens, we should go off on one and be like, oh, glad you asked. You would Joe Lice on it. Yeah, I could do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Well, yes, um, Kennedy, uh, sorry, not Kennedy, Rob, is there anything else that you'd like to add into sort of outreach from your mm. perspective? So is there anything like with like building relationships with people or yeah, I don't it's, know? Um, 
it's quite counterintuitive. And that is that most of the time, outreach is overcomplicated. So we get quite a lot of emails and they come to me. I don't know if Kennedy gets a copy of them as well, but we get quite a lot of emails from people asking for backlinks from our blog. Uh, from like the, for example, when we, on our podcast, the email marketing show, we don't, you know, we don't promote one particular email marketing platform yeah. over another or anything like that. So a lot of the time, if we mention any sort of email marketing tool, we'll suddenly get emails from people who have those tools and say, oh, would you mind linking to us where you've put the word email marketing platform or autoresponder or whatever. And a lot of the time, they massively overcompensate in their first email with stuff because, because basically their, their resistance is, these guys may not have heard of us. They probably don't yeah. know who we are and they have no prior relationship. And they yeah. overcompensate with that, with social proof and stuff and articles and evidence and other sites that link to them and who, they're, who their CEO is and where they yeah. got funding from and all this other stuff that I really don't care about. What colour pants um, they're wearing. You know. Yeah, exactly. And Hopefully. If, they just, <laughs> if they just kept it short and sharp and to the point, I'd be much more likely to have a conversation with them. Yeah, I suppose. And I don't know whether that's a bit of a British thing as well, because I suppose sometimes we know if we're doing a job that's a bit intrusive or a bit like we're, we're nervous of doing, we kind of have to prove our worth of being in the person's inbox. But some, most of the time, just get to your point, because I don't know about you guys, but people are inundated with emails. Um, I especially time to read 42 lines on the, on the history of your company. That's what you bloody want. How many times do you get an email? You're like, was there a question here? Yeah, <laughs> Done. Um, if, if you if you if your email can get them to a no quicker, that that's fine. Like if it's not, a, you know, if it's just not a thing we're going to do, we're never going to do that. That's all right. Just yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a no faster, and you've wasted less of my time. I yeah. think I think better of you. Point. And also, I think if you can sort of get get to your point quicker and have something compelling, because um, I'm just thinking, because if you're reaching out with a bit of research, you are going to end up like reaching out to some journos, aren't you? Um, some journalists, and they, I just feel for their inboxes because they will never reach inbox zero will they so don't time waste so what we're saying here then i'm guessing is don't time waste make it compelling make yourself stand out don't witter get to the point get to the point yeah get to the point and everyone's a winner and just be as personalized as possible i can't remember it so i wish i could because so i could reference it but kennedy sent me a screenshot and we we're, we we're on a zoom call a couple of weeks ago and he said i've just had the best outreach email i've ever had and it was somebody who wanted to be on our podcast or have us on their podcast or something and it was everything we've just talked about it was sharp sharp short sharp concise to the point and it referenced something that was specifically about us Yes. He couldn't. He couldn't have just. He didn't just pick. He didn't just pick the title of our latest podcast episode and said, "I loved your latest podcast episode." Insert title of episode here. It was like something he had to have done some digging in order to get. I'm starting to get emails when they don't even get the the, the podcast name right. It's because they can't say it. <laughs> it's really simple. Hello. SAS search engine optimization special answering service. Boom. Have you have you had Hannah McDowell and Sarah Bryce yet? Oh, uh, not yet, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. See, that's why we don't have surnames. They can't get that wrong. <laughs> oh, they still do. Ken they and think you're, you think you're Kennedy, don't they? Sometimes. <laughs> right. I don't know about you guys, but time is flying. Two quick questions and then we'll move on to the feature. Three people to follow on Twitter or LinkedIn. Three people to follow on LinkedIn or Twitter. Or who you like to follow or who, like, who's good. Well, I'm going to be terrible here because I don't really use LinkedIn or Twitter. Well, we have a Twitter, but Kennedy's in charge of it. I'm in charge of it. I really like the stuff. I'm a big fan of, if you want to learn how to engage people socially, I think Janet Murray is one of the best at doing that okay. across all channels. Um, and Robert Kennedy, that's the other two. 
Robin, Rob and Kennedy <laughs> really and amazing. And or yeah, email marketing yeah. show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I really like. I'm pulling up Twitter right now to see who's good crack. Sarah McDowell. <coughs> see Sarah McDowell's great. She's fascinating. She tweets all the time. Um, it's tricky, hey, I've it? got a better question. Let's let's forget about this. Best book that you've recently read. We'll go with that. Hang on. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, a good book. I'm I'm, I'm a bit of a, 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 a. But the way I read, you see, is I if I'm if I'm doing something, I'll go narrow and deep on it. So there's a really good one. About, uh, called um, the the I I'm going to pronounce this wrong the ta- the Tao of Twitter, T A O of Twitter. Okay. Well, what I'll do is I will sort of any links or anything that we talk about I'll pop in the show notes. So. Yeah, it's by Mark Schaefer, and it's about using Twitter and being really good at it and doing it authentic, doing it th- authentically. It's very very good. Really awesome. That. Rob. Mr. Tickle went to town. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Full um, of messages. <laughs> yeah, the hungry read- caterpillar is one of Rob's favourites, isn't it? <laughs> that is a good one. I was a big Great. fan of Mr. Bump when I was a kid. It was all about Mr. Bump when I was growing up. I read The One Thing the other day by Gary, whose name I can't remember. And that is an excellent book about focusing on like the one the one specific thing that's going to move you forward. I think uh, Biz Paul, my boss Paul, has mentioned that one to me. That rings a bell. It's a good book. It's another really good book that I want. Oh, to I've opened opened it up now, haven't I? Yeah, well, it's, a friend of mine's written this really great book called Shine, and it's by Gavin Oates, and it is phenomenal. I'll make yeah. sure I will link to all of these all of these books. Maybe not, um, you know, Hungry Caterpillar and Mr. Bump, but you know, maybe I will. <laughs> what tool do you use every day? One tool. Obviously, aside from Response Suite, what one tool can you, yeah, do you love and you can't We get could a not day? live without Asana. It would, our business would not work without Asana. And, and in conjunction with Slack as well. In a few weeks' time, we have invited previous guest and content marketing strategist at Rise at Seven, Jess Peace, to host a special episode called SEO SaaS Unmasked, where the aim is to get to know me and Hannah better. Yes, any question is fair game, folks, and it doesn't even have to be SEO related. Over to you, Jess. Have you got a burning question that you'd like to ask the girls? If so, please let me know because we will begin collating them between now and the 20th of July. To submit your question and have a chance of it being featured on the show, visit tinyurl.com forward slash SEO SAS Unmasked and stay tuned to find out if we used your question. Now the tables are going to turn. I believe it's time to go on to the feature. I think my internet's going down. Sorry no, it's about not. <laughs> no, what, it's not. What's that, Mum? My tea's ready. <laughs> It's quarter past one. Right. Okay. So when we were talking about getting you guys on, I asked what your guys' specialist subject is or what you'd like to be quizzed about. And you guys said musical theatre. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. Here we go. So against each other, and I am gonna warn you there's a forfeit for the loser. Excellent. Is that the right, right way for you guys? I'm putting an That's L good. sign uh, on my head. Not, that, one's, the second, that one's correct, That's yeah. Good. Loser. So I've got three rounds for you. First round is 
you have to name as many musical theatre shows as you can in 30 seconds. How's that going to, how's that going to work? Are we just both going for it? No, you'll take it in turns. Oh, well, I'm going first then. Right, are you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Name is Phantom of the Opera, Wicked, Billy Elliot, Matilda, The King and I, The Sound of Music, Rent, uh, Mary Poppins, Shrek the Musical, Legally Blonde Musical, um, Miss Saigon. Uh, I forgot what I've said already now. Eight um, seconds. Uh, oh, it's hard under pressure. Is that it? That is it. Okay, how many did I so get? You got 12. Oh, that's rubbish. Well, 12 and 30 seconds. I've told Kennedy to unmute, so. Okay. Hello. There we go. Give so I don't, have to, I don't have to mute now, do I? Because no, because you've, you've done gone. this round. Right. Okay. Yeah, so are you ready? Name, is it the names of shows? Yeah. As in many, 30 seconds. Many musical theatre shows as you can in 30 seconds. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Aladdin, Cats, Beauty and the Beast, Les Miserables, Phantom of the Opera, Come From Away, Beetlejuice, um, Carousel Cabaret. Um, oh, he's got a strategy. Ten seconds left. Lim, uh, no, oh, Mamma Mia. Thriller. Time. How many was that? Well, there was one point in it. Which way? I can't use my phone. Hang Kennedy on. had a bit of a strategy there. You were going um, alphabetical order for a little while. I was, yeah, that was my strategy. So there was one point in it. Rob, you got 12 and Kennedy got 11. Yes. Shocking. But you know what? There was almost no crossover between my answers and yours. Yeah, that was shocking. You really? can't do your stuff. Mm. Okay. We, so, we both said Les Mis, I'm sure. Yeah. Rob, you are winning. Of course. Next round. He's winning something, hasn't he? Next round. So you're going to yeah. have to mute your... Oh, unless you want to go the other way around this time. Yeah, we'll go the other way around. But the am next... I allowed to, yeah. Am I allowed to know what it is, what the question is? So it is name as many musical... Oh, no, because then you can be thinking. I'm not going right, to okay. tell well, you. Kennedy That's had thinking cheap. time on that last one. Oh, I didn't oh, help, did it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell it's you. Much better. Did, I'll tell you. So the next round is how many characters from musical shows can you name in 30 seconds? Oh, sorted. All right, fine. Okay, so... I'm going to mute now. Kennedy, you're up. Okay. Jean Valjean. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me do my countdown. Oh, I thought you said you were up, sorry. Sorry, well, I did. Three, two, one, go. Jean Valjean, Fantine, um, Belle. uh, Oh, this is really hard. Mr. Banks, Bert, Mary Poppins. um, Um... Maria, um, um, uh, Mr. Tenardier, Mrs. Tenardier. Five seconds. Um, I think I show the time. Print. Yeah, how many? How many? How many was that? That was hard. You got, you got nine. Oh, that's rubbish. I'm rubbish at thinking fast. Rubbish at it. Should we let uh... let him come back in? I did rubbish, mate. You've gonna you're gonna nail this. Okay. Are we ready? So characters from musicals. And okay. I can't do like the backing dancer one, backing dancer two. <laughs> I think that's with cheating. With cheap on the left. 
that's cheating slightly. I can't, right. I can't take that. Right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Phantom the Opera. There's Christine, Phantom, Raoul. That's all I'm going to get from that. Uh, Les Mis. There's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tenardier. That's two. Oh. There is Eponine. There's Fontaine. There's Valjean. There's Javert. There's Gavroche. <laughs> there's Cosette. I'm going home. In Wicked, there's Elphaba. Great show. Glinda. Um, Bok. Time. And you knocked it out of the park, Rob. How many did Kennedy get? So... Kennedy got nine. You got fifteen. So start. I'm disappointed in myself. I mean, there is. I know we know that Rob is the winner, but let's just do the third round, just because. Why do we know Rob's the winner? He might like get paralysed during this next <laughs> thing. What have you got arranged? Like some sort of like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> don't look into programming uh, a missile with his left hand. Or just don't look into Kennedy's eyes. Right. Okay. So the last round is. You need to tell me. So I've got one, two, three, four, five iconic songs from shows. And you have to tell me which show the song is from. But you need to buzz in with your answer. So if I could get you to test your buzzes. So... (laughs) Yeehaw! Okay. okay. So you're Yeehaw, Kennedy, and you're... you're... I was a very boring buzz. I should have yodeled or something now. You can yodel. I mean, you don't have to... We'll go with the buzz. Okay, so buzz in, and then whoever's fastest with the buzzer gets to answer. All right. First song, there's no business like show. Yahoo! Kennedy? I don't know the answer. Oh, I'm cheating. <laughs> no, I don't either. I just got excited. Uh, there's no business like show business is from... It's not really... Um... Going to have to hurry you up. Is it from Top Hat? No. Is, it, gonna... from, is it from... <laughs> You're going to kick yourself. It's not Cabaret. No. Five. Carousel. Guys and, guys and dolls. No, both wrong. Annie what Get Your it? Gun. Come on, folks. Annie Get Your Gun. I've never gun. seen it. Never seen That's it. That's an original. Classic. Yeah. I'm not so good on the old ones. Okay, next one. Cell Block Tango. Yahoo! That is Chicago. It is. Sport in Washington, D.C. Boom, loved it. It is an awesome show. I realise why we're doing this for fun now, because the maximum points are five. You can't possibly win. Yeah, but I may as well have a go. <laughs> it's the taking part that counts. It is the taking part. Uh, defying gravity. Yahoo! Bzz. Wicked. <laughs> Electricity. Bzz. Last one. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. Bzz. Uh, guys and dolls. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> we all know who is the true musical theatre fan, don't we? And that is yeah, exactly. No, cool. oh. and we know who we know who the memory one is as well. So we're sorted. <laughs> <sighs> so, so your your about forfeit this, about this forfeit. Your forfeit. I'm going to have to sing, aren't I? No, it's not singing. I would like you to describe to our listeners and me and Rob what you had for breakfast in the most dramatic way that you can. So really build up the tension. In the depths of a teacup, he stirred in two piles of sugar and added the milk. That's what I had for breakfast. I had a cup of tea with two sugars and milk. Oh, that was, I mean, you stepped up to the plate there. There you go. There you go. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm pleased I didn't have to sing that. That's I'm just a great relief for everybody, and and also your download numbers have been saved as well. So well, the only reason I've had to sing on this podcast in the past, and it's not great for anyone, really. <laughs> so, so yes. Anyway, that sadly brings us to the end of this week's SEOSES podcast episode. So, thank you very much for joining me and for letting me pick your brains hope you guys enjoyed yourself this is the moment they've all been waiting for (laughs) (laughs) so mean um if people want to find you personally out there not in a stalkery way but you know on socials and all that jazz or font suite or anything like that how can they do that if you want to find us on social, we are at Rob and Kennedy on Twitter. You can join our Twitter hour, which is on a Thursday at 8 p.m. UK time, where we talk about email marketing and hashtag email hour. So that's one way. And you can find us on the email marketing show podcast and all your favorite podcast players, the email marketing show or Rob, before we tell you about the special thing we've got for you, we've got a little confession which is we were also playing a game with you, Sarah. What? And the listeners. Yes. So all the way through this, Rob and I have been using a specific topic as a metaphor for the way we've been answering our questions. So for example, if our topic had been farmyard animals, Rob might have said things like... Uh, I really enjoyed that meal. In fact, I was really pigging out. Yes. Or move over for example. It wasn't the topic of, of farmyard animals. It was not about email marketing. It was not related to that at all. But there was a way... Or SEO or anything. Nothing to do with any of those things. No, no. If you figure out what it was, you might have to listen back to it, then tweet us at Rob and Kennedy and we'll organize an awesome prize for you. So, <sighs> yes. I naughty. feel like I've been... I didn't even know, but I've taken part in some sort of experiment. You have, you have. Uh, Rob, do you want to talk about the special thing we put together? Uh, yeah, so if people want to find out more about Response Suite and maybe give it a try, we've actually got a special deal for listeners of the podcast. Uh, basically, you can grab it for a dollar for two weeks, for 14 days, give it a try, build it all out and actually get it moving. But don't just go to responsesuite.com and buy it. Uh, instead, go to the URL I'm going to give you in a second. Um, if you go to this URL, you'll be able to get a 14-day free uh, trial of Response Suite for a dollar, but also free, included in that, gratis, at no extra charge. We will give you a whole um, bunch of training stuff that we put together in a, a course called Survey Marketing Masterclass. It's basically eight separate marketing campaigns built around surveys. And on top of that, uh, you'll get a, a one-on-one call with Kennedy or myself to help you get it all implemented and get it up and running. Um, so if you want to get all of that, then you need to go to responsesuitedeal.com forward slash SAS. So that's responsesuitedeal.com forward slash SAS. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'm already racking my brains as to what this theme could be. But yes, if you want to get in touch with the SEO SAS podcast, we are on Twitter, SEO underscore SAS. We are both personally on Twitter. Hannah is SEO SAS Hannah. I'm Sarah McDuck. We're both on LinkedIn and you can drop us an email at hello at saspodcast.com. If you do enjoy our podcast and you've, you've not already subscribed, please do because that's good for the algorithms and all that jazz. Um, and if you're feeling super duper generous, we'd love a review because, you know, we like, we like hearing nice things being said about us in the podcast. So I just want to say thanks again to Robin Kennedy. That was 
wonderful. I think this episode is jam-packed full of awesomeness and so much value. So thank you again. Do we all say goodbye to the listeners together? Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everyone. And until next time. Bye.